Production funding for Ruckus has been provided by gifts from Dave and Jamie Cummings, the Fred and Lou Hartwig family, Peter and Barbara Gattermeyer, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize, and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Welcome to Ruckus, our weekly food for thought fight over the news of the day and the trends of the times. I'm Mike Shannon. The Ruckets join me shortly on our topics this week. Kansas City gets set for a new mayor. A former mayor gets irritated. And Overland Park police will soon get body cams. What about Kansas City? Plus, roast and toast. But we start with our newsmaker segment and welcome a Missouri state senator from the metro area. Mike Searpoy joined the Senate after winning a 2017 special election. He served in the Missouri House before that, elected in 2010. The senator lives in Lee Summit and represents District 8, which includes part of Jackson County. He's a Republican, one of the party's leaders in the state and the state Senate. Senator Searpoy, welcome to Ruckus. Nice of you to join us. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. You are not the only politician in the family, right? I'm not. My wife was in the House uh, for, in the 90s. Uh, she's been out now for about 17 years. So you've not served simultaneously? We, we did not. Uh, you're a Jackson County resident, and you represent part of Jackson County. And I know this is primarily a county issue, but I'm sure you've heard from constituents about the property tax situation in Jackson County. What are they saying, and what do you tell them? I've heard from several constituents. Their tax bills have gone up dramatically. I think uh, the way the county did it, I understand, uh, it may be improper. Uh, they're going to deal with that. I've talked to staff in Jeff City. We're going to look at ways of somehow tying assessments and taxation on property to something like the Hancock Amendment, where it's limited to how much it can go up. Uh, the state's bound by that. I think we should do something like that on local governments. So there may be a way that uh, these tax increases are going to be mitigated as a result of state action? I'm not sure we can do anything about what's going on right now. I think the county is looking at that. There's a lawsuit, I understand, that's about to be filed. So I don't know that we can do anything about that because whatever we do will not take effect until next year. But going forward, I'm certainly going to look at it. It's troubling, though, is it not? Absolutely is. I don't understand how it happened, actually. Because some of the, I, I've actually seen the tax statements on some, from some of these properties, and they have gone up dramatically. My own house did not, uh, but I've seen several that have. And it, I don't know how that, some of these people are going to be forced out of their homes. You were one of those who worked hard to get a law dealing with what is called the border war between Missouri and Kansas, the economic development war. Uh, what did the law say? What does it say? Really, it's pretty simple. It's uh, Senate Bill 182, if you want to look it up, anybody at home. It's, uh, what it really says is that there's three counties in Kansas, Wyandotte, uh, Miami, and Johnson. And then in, in the Missouri side, it's Cass, Platt, Jackson, and um, Clay. The state will not offer incentives for any, any company moving from those three Kansas counties to those four Missouri counties. And we've asked the Kansas do the same. They can do it by executive order. We had to do it by legislation. Has it been done? I know the governor, uh, Laura Kelly, said she would issue an executive order. Do you know if she's done that? They have not yet. I know negotiations are going on presently. I'm, I'm very hopeful that that will be done in the next few weeks. When I read about you, you're described as pro-life. Is that fair? That's fair. Uh, what do you think about the new abortion law in Missouri? Do you think it's going to survive the courts? That, that I don't know. It's uh, the, uh, the two-month part. I'm not sure how it would do. It's going to work its way. There's a lot of states passing laws right, right. now to try to get the, it. The Missouri law uh, 
prohibits abortions after eight weeks? After eight weeks, right. And so there's a lot of states that are doing things to get them in the federal courts to start doing that because uh, what I'd like to see is Roe overturned. Uh, one of the major things we've been fighting about for the last 40 years is abortion. And then I think if the courts would get out of it and let democracy work, I think we'd get this settled. Probably nobody would be completely happy, but that's not unusual in a democracy. But when the courts step in and thwart things like they did, because many states were starting to modernize their abortion laws back in the mm -hmm. late 60s and early 70s. You and I are old enough to remember that. Um, well, you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think that it would have been worked out, but when the courts step in and make a hard, fast rule that nobody can touch, it frustrates everything, and we just start screaming at each other across the street. Uh, that bill, that law, the abortion law, will likely be on the ballot next year, will it not? Well, there's a couple of initiative petitions, I think, moving forward. I'm actually not opposed to, to uh, I think we probably need to maybe look at the, the, the rape portion of that. I don't think the people that are saying there should be an exception for rape are, are wrong. I don't know what the appropriate language is, but I'm open to, uh, to looking at that. President Trump is said to be popular in Missouri, at least he has been in the past. Mm -hmm. Is he still? I think he is. I think uh, in my district, I've got a suburban district, so it's probably not as strong as it is in outstate, but I, st I still think he'll carry the A Senate district easily. Surely he'll be on the ballot next year. You think he'll win Missouri easily then? I think he will. All right, sir. It's good to meet you. It's good to have you with us. Thanks for coming in. Thank you, Mike. I Come back it. and see us. Okay. That is Missouri State Senator Mike Searpoy. Now let's meet the panel and start a ruckus. Denidri Herbert is a journalist with the Sentinel website, part of the Kansas Policy Institute. Patrick McInerney is a former prosecutor, now in private practice with Spencer Fain. Terry Riley is a former councilman and now heads Transformation Consultants. And Crosby Kemper III is executive director of the Kansas City Library System and host of KCPT's Meet the Past and Centropolis program. Well, we have no first-timers on the panel this week. These are all battle-trained veterans, all pros, all veterans, high bar, ready to go. <laughs> that might be a stretch. All right, here we go. In just a few days, Kansas City, Missouri will inaugurate a new mayor and city council, 12 council members, six incumbents, six first-termers, and one first-termer, Quentin Lucas, who will become mayor. The recent campaign spawned discussions about many issues, including the homicide rate, affordable housing, tax incentives for major projects, and a promised return to an emphasis on basic city services, the very reasons local government exists. Now, Crosby, uh, you've seen mayors and councils in Kansas City come and go. What are your expectations for this new group? Well, I, I think it's a very tough situation they've got, and they may be focused on the wrong things. We have very high tax rates. We are not doing basic city services, as anybody who drives on a road in Kansas City uh, knows, uh, and we're unable to do the things that we talk a lot about, uh, such as uh, uh, economic growth and uh, housing and uh, uh, development on the east side. We haven't done any of that, and, uh, and we have a pension problem that nobody's talking about, a uh, basic city budget problem. So it'll be interesting. I think Quentin Lucas needs to step out and take some leadership on these issues, and it's not clear. At this, at this stage, he hasn't actually said anything about what his agenda is. And I, I would urge him, Quentin, you know, take control. Well, he said he's going to work more closely with the council than previous mayors have. He right. plans to spend time along the uh, pathways to the offices of the various city council people and, and have discussions with them. 
Well, he may be the exact opposite of Sly, who started his term, particularly his second term, uh, sort of dismissing the rest of the council. Uh, and it looks to me like, and I've talked to Quentin a little bit about this, it looks to me like he's too busy finding out what everybody else wants to do and not busy enough, on, in my, from my view, figuring out exactly what he wants to do. Terry, there are six new members on the city council. You were once a new member on the city council. Yes. What was it like the first few weeks, first few days? Well, it, it, it was overwhelming. But what I recommend to new members is getting a group of people around you to serve as advisors, not yes people, that can give you input to make sure that you're doing things that you need to do as it relates to uh, your platform and also to the citizens of Kansas City. I, I used to meet with a group of former council members, former mayors, and they will, I would will come together with them even though they were going 100 miles an hour, but I was getting information, using that information to make policy issues for the citizens of Kansas Patrick, City. let me ask you the same question I asked Crosby, essentially. Mm -hmm. I know you've seen councils and mayors come and go. Sure. Uh, what do you expect of this new group? Well, so this is the first mayor in decades to come from the council, right? right. Uh, everybody's been outside right. of City Hall prior to this. So right. I, I think that that bodes well for some potential relationships. Cle Cleaver he, came from the council. Well, but it's been a long yeah, time. Yeah. Kate Barnes while. was, when she was um, Kay Waldo, was on the the, um, but directly. You know, he set his own table, right. though, during this campaign because he really made housing a central issue. He made crime a central issue. So he, it's kind of a be careful what you wish for thing. He's got a $75 million housing trust to fund, and he's got to find the money for that. And I don't know that he's going to have six brand new or six tenured members who are going to write him a check. Uh, Denidri, if you were advising the mayor and council, and they said, what should our top three items be? What should we deal with first, the top three, the first three? What would you tell them? Crime. Crime. And then basic city services. I, there's sewer, the sewers in Kansas City, every time I turn on the news, there's a sewer main break and there's a road problems. Those three things. Everything else, the talk about affordable housing, the talk about equitable growth throughout the city, I think is pointless if you don't resolve the crime problems and fund and focus on basic city services. Well, as we know, you used to be on the police board, uh, Patrick. Uh, can a city council resolve to solve the crime problem and get it done? Not without close cooperation with the police department, close cooperation with the police board, and, and you know, local control's another show, but um, there's got to be that cross-pollination between the Public Safety Committee directly and the Board of Police Commissioners. And, and look, throwing money at the problem, throwing cops at the problem is not yeah. the solution. It, it, it has to be smart. It has to be but strategic. putting cops on the beat. Our cops are in police cars right now. You don't see a, a police officer on the street unless there's a major event or President Trump comes to town. Right. You know, and and we, we've got to redirect it. We have not had leadership that understands what worked in New York and what worked in L.A. If we can hark it back to the Cleaver area in which you, you were around, when we had the community policing funds that were here, where you had those neighborhood officers working out in the community. Can and it was Yeah, can yeah. center. It was the COPS program. Mm -hmm. right. uh, but as soon as the Bush administration came in, they cut the funds, but it still was during 9-11, and so all that money was taken away. Right. But I think that's how we can reintroduce it to the community and have the community so working in collaboration. And remember... In collaboration with the police department or it will not remember work. FOP endorsed Quentin Lucas right so yeah. that that is a direct line to operational and uh, functional I think leadership and strategy sure going to wrap this up but Crosby said we need tax relief do you think there'll be tax relief granted by this new mayor and council 
I believe there's not going to be any tax <laughs> no. relief, but I don't think what there will be any new taxes either. No, no new taxes. No new taxes. Do you Ooh. buy that, Crosby? Should we read your list? I, I, I know. Yeah, I, Ooh, I, think, I, think it, I think it's very difficult for the city to raise taxes given how high they are right now, right. eighth highest in the, uh, in the country. Um, uh, but I, I will tell you what, it's, it's impeding economic growth. All right, since we were talking some about police, let's continue. Body cameras, body cams as they're known, worn by police, seem to have almost universal approval as an important part of law enforcement. Body cams can vindicate or indict an officer. They show up often on television news as part of the story. The Overland Park City Council has taken action, allocating three quarters of a million dollars to buy the cameras and the required storage equipment. Overland Park has 200 officers who soon will have body cams. Kansas City, Missouri has about 1,300 officers who will not. Given your prior experience on the police board, Patrick, would you say money is the prime reason Kansas City police don't have body cams? Yes, because the will is there. The president of the police board, Nathan Garrett, has said that it is a priority. He has talked about the importance of body cams. And it, it, you could line up 100 people, police officers, um, lawyers, citizens, and almost everybody agrees that body cams are a good thing. They're, and for just the reason you said, they can exonerate, they can implicate, but it's, it's good evidence, and it's best and reliable evidence, and people expect that kind of accountability. Are, are there any negatives, though, to body cams? Uh, you know, the, I mean, there's the privacy issue, right? Yeah. So, um, and, and that arises when police activity enters, you know, private space, a private residence. There's ways to deal with that. Um, there's ways to deal with the release and screening of that. You know, the, Mike, the big challenge for body cams and the data is storage. Yeah, that, yeah. And, and when we talk about the police board developing policies, they have to develop policies around storage and maintenance of data. They have to keep the material for a long period of time, do a they certain, not? A set period a of time. Of time. It, it's, a, it's a question of just setting that period of time and listening to your lawyers. Well, well Denidri, since yes. we know it's going to be expensive to get body cams in Kansas City, would it make sense to get fewer body cams and use them in high crime areas? Ooh, that's a great question. Yes, I think so. I think the sooner they have some body cameras, the sooner they can start figuring out the regulations. I think they need some very stringent regulations about when and how they must be used or should be used. Um, and I, yeah, even if they just had one body cam in the most dangerous part of the city, I think it's but I, but I think you run the risk of politically undermining that effort if, yeah. if the Shoal Creek Division, no. if those folks get the True. message, we don't deserve True. body cams up here. Right. I think that's a problem. If, it's, it's, a problem. if it's good for one, it's good for all. But let me tell you this. The city of Kansas City just spent an additional $6 million mm -hmm. on the dash cams. And so now they're looking at doing the body cams. I know the mayor is in, uh, for that. I know the FOP is for it. But uh, the dash cams, they just spent $6 million in the last budget cycle. And so now the data question, just like Seattle dealt with yep. it, how can they regulate the data? And that's the biggest question. Well, right Crosby, now. you talk a lot about crime and the, the need to control right. the crime rate in Kansas City. You also talk about trying to save money in Kansas City, uh, taxes well, are too high. How, how can you so, see these so two being resolved? I would spend some time on this issue in minority communities, in the African-American community on the east side, because you know, when we were going out for our levy increase, I spent a lot of time in meetings at the East Patrol uh, Division, for instance, and I heard a lot about cameras there. You know what I heard about? I heard about cameras on the street. People are worried about criminals 
more than they're worried about the police. Now, there is a problem with the police, uh, and, 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 and body cams may make the community feel better about the police department, so I'm not discounting that. But if we want to solve the crime problem, which I think is mainly a problem for, for the African-American community, the main victims in the city mm -hmm. of crime are African-Americans on the east side. If we want to solve that problem, more officers on the street, cameras on the street, not just on cops, but on, on the street, and real community policing. So body cams alone would not solve the crime problem? I, I think it solves a community problem, not solves, a it makes a community problem, problem better, perception problem, right. and, and there are some, it probably stops some police uh, criminal act, you know, What happens, Terry, if, if we have body cams and one doesn't work for some reason, and a major crime takes place and it's not recorded? There'll be the suggestion that the officer sure. purposely did not activate the camera. I mean, can you see problems resulting even with, with body Which might cams? be true, too. Which might right. be true, yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's ways around that. Yeah. What are they? I'm sorry, no, well, go ahead, I'm Terry. Sorry, go ahead. I don't want to step on you. No, no, no. I, that will be an issue. But the, the larger issue is how can we directly impact crime? One is education, dealing with mental health, going into communities, rehabbing homes. We talk about housing all the time. Let's start. start I was talking to Mayor-elect Lucas. He said, Terry, let's start at a fifty, sixty, seventy thousand, one hundred thousand dollar house. Rehab those homes, put people into housing, Amen. make sure people are being educated, and retool. Well, you talk about the crime, and Mike, I, I don't think that I don't think it's a disaster if one of them doesn't work one time. There's technological ways around that. But when you talk about uh, crime, and Crosby said, you know, it, it requires some consensus, but it requires consensus from people like me, too, not just communities that are victimized. And until everybody in this city understands that whatever happens at 28th and Jackson happens to me oh, wherever amen. I live, amen. I mean, yeah. I don't think there's the will behind yeah. that. Uh, amen. There, there have been some instances, though, uh, across the nation where right. the camera didn't get action. Sure, yeah. yeah. And there's all sorts of controversy as a result. Yeah. You're right about that. All right. But it's all of our problems. Now that you said I was right, we're going to move on. Uh, the usually unflappable <laughs> Congressman Emanuel Cleaver apparently flapped while presiding over a session of the U.S. House. Members were engaged in debate over a resolution condemning President Trump for tweets his critics and some of his supporters call racist. Cleaver tried to impose order, finally gave up, threw down his gavel, and walked off the podium. Now, Kansas Cityans know Cleaver well. He's a former councilman, a two-term mayor, and longtime minister and religious leader. He has long called for civility in politics and is chairman of the House Civility Caucus. Tweets notwithstanding, did Cleaver's actions while presiding over the House promote or impede civility? And we start with Denidri. It impeded civility, and I have a tip for the Democrats that is probably unwelcome um, from people on my side of the aisle, which is stop responding and the civility issue goes away. I mean, if the president makes a tweet that causes everybody in an uproar, stop responding, and he'll actually probably stop doing it. It's like... I'm not calling the president a bully. However, he controls the news cycle, and he controls it for weeks at a time just because the Democrats go into a rage. And had Emanuel Cleaver not thrown a little bit of a t temper tantrum at the well of the House, he, I mean, it, it just prolonged the news cycle and prolongs the incivility. It was pretty, surprised, pretty surprising to see uh, Cleaver react that way. Well, that's, that's what makes it, that's what prolongs the, the, the incivility. Does it, does it make a point? 
that otherwise would not have been made? No. Everyone knows there's a civil civility problem. He didn't attack just Republicans when he gave up the gavel, which was, you know, I liked what he did. The other side of it is we've had people attacking each other, sometimes physically, on the floor of the House. Actually, that happened in the early 1800s, in the mid-1800s, in the late 1800s. They used canes in those days, I think, to strike the opponent. And that's an important point, that he did condemn both sides, because it was the incivility period that he condemned. But I will tell you, um, I was disappointed because my initial reaction was, stay there. You're running the House. You're, you're chairing the House. Stay there and fight for the principles that you've been fighting and for for a decade. In fact, I believe he was asked to do this because people thought he would be very good at the job, that he wasn't scheduled to do that. He yeah. and I get uh, the frustration. avoided I mean, a meeting of the Civility Caucus right, he did. to go there he, he and did. preside over yeah. the House, yeah. and then he slammed down the gavel and left. Uh, if we have somebody other than Donald Trump as president, Terry, do you think civility will return? Well, I, I would think so because I think he's the worst president in American history. But um, <laughs> can we can we quote you on but, but, that? Yeah, yeah. He said that in a very in, in civil way. Right. I have to say. Um, right. He he adds to the the lack of civility. Uh, coupled with the invisible wall of Republicans out there that say nothing about anything he does and say, I don't agree with the man, I agree with his policies, but what if his policies are racist? Do you agree with that also? And so Trump will help peel back some civility, but we do need to, we, we, we need to go a long way in getting civility uh, back. And I agree that Cleaver... <clears throat> blame both sides instead it's of not, just one. It's not, a, it's not a matter of who we blamed or didn't blame. It's drawing more attention to the incivility, which just increases But how it. do you stand silent against some of the comments that are made that are absolutely, abjectly racist by this president? Do you stand silent you on stand I don't him? think those comments were racist. So we're having a debate about well, when you're setting the ground for you planet. You told him to go, 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 go back where they came from, which was Detroit and Cincinnati. That's exactly yeah. how I, when I first saw it, that's exactly what I And you know he did not mean it like that. That's exactly what I thought. Crosby. It is. Crosby. You don't always think the worst of people immediately. Crosby, you're a historian. You know a lot about American history. Has there ever been a time of great civility between political figures in American history? Uh, for about three weeks during World War II and after 9-11. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I mean, you know, this we've been hot and heavy at each other. You know, the Hitler analogy uh, is now a regular trope on the left, on the Democratic side. A good friend of mine posted this, this meme that's gone around that Donald Trump sleeps with Hitler's speeches. Uh, it was actually, this is actually in, a, in, a, in a, an article by a guy who heads up the Brennan Center uh, for justice uh, at NYU and you know Snopes did that one in a long time ago it's going on on both could, sides could have, been Mussolini. could have been it could Mussolini could have been Mussolini absolutely you know I, it, so incivility is is regular in American politics it's actually I think over time gotten better and I think it's I think uh, by and large it's okay it's better than it was in 1864 uh, hey, yeah have you lived During I know you're War. a relatively that's, that's young right. woman <laughs> but but Denidri, have you lived through times that that were not civil uh, like I suspect uh, the Vietnam era. Well, no, I did not live to be oh. Vietnam era. But I suspect. That, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Mike. Gee, Mike. <laughs> I, I suspect. Wasn't that long ago? Oh yeah. Anyway. Uh, it was longer ago than me. Um, I suspect <laughs> that some of the incivility that we're seeing now is um, 
we just see it more because we are on Facebook 20 times a day. We carry it in our pockets, and when we're standing in line, we scroll through it. So we see more of it. We feel more tempted to comment. And that's an argument I would make about Republicans or not uh, the silent wall of Republicans not saying anything. Sometimes the best response is just to keep your mouth shut. You've got to stop you, there. you don't need to value We've got to move on. Vietnam seems recent to me. And now it's time for <laughs> Sorry, Rosen Coast, where the Rockettes have 30 seconds each to elevate, oh. frustrate, or bloviate. And up first is Denise. Uh, this is a roast of Kansas Governor Laura Kelly, who has, for the second time in a matter of weeks, tried to usurp the authority and the power of the Kansas legislature. She tried to just get out of using work requirements for welfare for able-bodied adults. Uh, the Attorney General Derek Schmidt slapped her down. She backed off of that, but now she wants to require foster parents to take children and not tell them what sex they are, make them um, I, I never know how to talk about this. Bipartisan. She, it's an LGBTQ thing that I think is I, going I, to, to lead to fewer foster parents and kids are sleeping in offices with terrible policy. Crosby. Hotel Bravo, $500 night boutique hotel, your tax dollars. Strata, spec office building with the highest rents between Minneapolis and Dallas, owned by the city. City Center Square, 95% tax-free renovation, no new jobs. $25 billion bonds for 30 Google jobs in a massive unmanned data complex. $300 million state tax break for Burns & McDonald for previous investment of a kind <laughs> every business makes, but only Burns & McDonald will get the tax break. Uh, Brookings Metro Monitor says we're in the bottom quarter of economic growth. I want to toast the city council, the civic council, the chamber, the building trades, and the EDC for creating the most expensive and least productive economic development policy in the United Patrick, States. Patrick, I've never heard you talk that fast. That's wow. amazing. Um, amazing. As, as disappointed as I was in Congressman Cleaver, um, I have to toast him for his continued efforts towards civility. And he is a great host for that. He's been a great steward of that. Um, and I, I think now it's harder than ever. And we saw that crack the other day. Uh, but I have to toast his efforts. All right, quickly, Jerry. Thank you for stealing that one from me. <laughs> and so I want to go to Mitch McConnell. I want to roast him for not moving forward with the legislation for campaign security. He, he blocked it again. And this is good for America, and it's un-American for him to continue to block it. And finally, the Berkeley City Council has voted to remove gendered terms from its municipal code. For example, manhole is now maintenance hole, and manpower is replaced with human effort. The city manager says having a male-centric code is inaccurate and not reflective of our reality. Apparently, the Berkeley City Council believes changing the English language is its, dare I say, mandate? <laughs> and that's Ruckus for this week. We're back next Thursday at 7. Now for the Ruckus and crew, Mike Shannon saying thanks for watching and good night.